You're listening to the Movie Crew Podcast, and tonight we're talking about the 1990s supernatural thriller horror film? I don't know. We'll question it. Jacob's Ladder. You no trouble. Me, Fifth Element. You will be a weapon. You will be a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are cute. Sound off like you got a pair. over here like hey what's going on hey we're back <laughs> come on guys are you excited i'm excited we are the hosts welcome to the podcast we're your host i'm brian elkins with me tonight jeremy benson yeah and mr jared callen hey i just took a little bit of the ladder myself we'll see how far we go down yes uh so we're talking 1990s oh that was ladder. that was such a planned line uh, <laughs> <laughs> You had that all week, didn't you? Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm, I got it. I know yeah, exactly. I want to say something. You know, there's nothing wrong with having planned content, man. You know, <laughs> it's a little pre-production. You know, that life. I didn't say there was anything wrong with it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, okay, we're we're here uh, talking Jacob's ladder. Uh, we'll go, give a, go ahead and give a spoiler warning out right now. Oh um, yeah, big because like if you ruin this movie, it fucks the whole thing. It's it's totally one of those like. This movie influenced M. Night Shyamalan. Just saying. This was his wet dream. All of his shit has twists, weird fucking twisty endings. You know, honestly, though, the difference between an M. Night movie and this movie is I think I would enjoy this one more going back and just, like, you see, knowing. I, I haven't seen Split yet, and I just got it the other day. So I went back and rewatched um, Unbreakable, and it blew my fucking mind. As a filmmaker. Oh, Split's really good. I, I haven't seen Split yet. I, I went back and watched Unbreakable first because it kind of goes in order. Uh, that's that's my favorite of his movies. That's, that's it, 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 seriously, holy fucking shit. Have you guys talked about Unbreakable yet? No. That's something no. we possibly need to do because the, the, the camera stuff in that. And, oh, yeah. Uh, like this like long take. Anyways, it kind of like gave me way more respect for Shyamalama Ding Dong. Uh, it, you know, like I have so much respect. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Shyamalan with Ding Dong. No, for M Night Shyamalan, seriously, uh, like that movie. I actually, I, I don't disrespect him at all. I, I, no, no, I'm just saying. Like, I was like, wow, this is really, really, really cool. Back to Jacob's side. Yeah, well, that that's interesting though, because like M Night's movies, there is a twist. Like, you don't, there's something you don't see coming. 
Right. It's very subtle. But this movie is very, like, from the second scene, is very blatant and confusing. But, you, you know, know the whole time they're, 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 they're telling it to you. Even, like, you know, at the very beginning, you, 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 he gets into a, uh, you know, when we finally flash forward to him back in, uh, he's in New York, right? And he's in the yeah. su- he's in the subway, and, and it's over the shoulder shot to him looking at the ad, and it says hell. I mean, it's the very first this very first thing we see, and he looks down, and you know, then he starts seeing weird shit happening in the subway. And so they're already telling you right on right on the front end, you know, that, that this guy's going through shit. I think it, yeah, it's just I don't know. It's, I don't, it's to me, to me, the difference is if you look at like Six Sense or Signs, those are sort of you know. Twilight Zone twist episode stretched out to a two-hour movie. Right. If you if you ruin the twist on those, or you know the village, if you ruin the twist, then you, know, you really don't want to watch the movie. It kind of ruins the entire. But thing. on Jacob's Ladder, I can I mean, I, I mean I knew what was going on pretty pretty early on. Right. And I, I was enjoying it more after I settled into okay, this has got to be what's happening. Right. So I don't I don't know if it's as much of a, a twist as a reveal. See, I, I don't really know because like when I saw the movie, I, I found it uh, used at a place called Discotech when I was probably about twelve years old, and nice. I uh, would go and take DVDs and I would watch all of the behind the scenes shit first, all the like featurettes and stuff, and then I'd watch the movie. And on the DVD for this film, in the featurette, they fucking spoil it. Instant. Well, you're supposed to watch the movie first. <laughs> you didn't do that kind of backwards there, Jim. Yeah, so I, I fucked you myself. You can't blame them. I, I know, I know. I'm fucking assholes, yeah, man. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm harboring this, ten, you know, uh, 12 years later. I'm like, fuck you, you know. <laughs> you know. Um, you ruined yeah. my movie experience. So I will say, but I still, it still like grabbed me, you know, even though I knew the whole time. But I, I think I do think that like watching it fresh, I think that, that you can kind of let the film wash over you, and you won't, and you don't know uh, the ending. First viewing, I, I I can't remember how old I was when I saw it. I know I was a teenager, but why, watching it now, I was I, I was I was floored by how emotional I got. Oh, like it, man, it, yeah. it, it, it strikes really? a chord. Yeah. Oh no, man. Yeah, the, the the whole like the father son thing, and then like just like and him getting over the the guilt of his kid, man. Like that hit me. Um, I think Tim Robbins knocked. It's probably the best Tim Robbins performance outside of War of the Worlds. What? <laughs> what the player, dude? Hudsucker proxy? I don't know, man. He's not this raw. Shawshank. Yeah, I, I mean, know. come on. Shawshank's pretty awesome. Shawshank's, well, Shawshank's pretty good. But there's some great moments with Tim Robbins in this. Mystic River. Won an Oscar for that one. No, I mean, I thought he was good. I just didn't. I don't. I don't know. I didn't find the movie very emotional. Really? Oh man! Like when, like the the whole thing with his son and how he's just he feels so. It's like it's it's, it's his fault, even though it's not. And like he he taught the kid how to drive, how to ride the bike. You know, it's this whole like thing. You know, I don't know. He he really feels his son's death very very strongly, and it's his son that ultimately leads him to up the ladder to his ultimate salvation. Which I guess coming to terms with that <laughs> super spoiler here. I guess we should <laughs> we should set up. It's uh, uh, Tim Robbins plays a uh, a guy in Vietnam who dies, and the whole movie is him coming to terms, to terms with his with, death. Yeah, right, like look, looking back and dealing with grief and and coming to terms with you know it's kind of like they say that when you die your life flashes before your eyes. Well, he's he's letting go of his life to go to the afterlife. Right. Climbing the ladder, so to speak. Together. And, of course, the big, I guess the twist. I, it's not really, I don't know if it's a twist, but the reveal at the end is, you know, he dies, and that's the end of the movie. Right. 
with his kid taking him off. Um, well, the real twist is when you find out he's a robot and <laughs> really screws stuff up. But And Michael Bean comes in <laughs> with that <laughs> shotgun. <laughs> that he, he saw the, the bear. No, it's not the barrel. He saw the, the uh, what is that, the butt. There we go. Whatever. I'm not very good. Yes, I'm not. I'm not up to date on my rifle terminology. <laughs> Sorry. I, you know, I mean, I, I see. I like the emotional. The the father getting over the, the the death of his son. I like that part of the movie a lot better than the other subplot in the film is this ladder drug with this government conspiracy. Yeah, it's so weird. Like y'all are y'all are talking about how it. it touched y'all emotionally like the part that got me most emotionally engaged was when you know he thought the uh other vietnam vets were gonna help him out and then they all backed out and he felt all like frustrated and all oh, totally like i felt his frustration there i was like oh dude that it's sucks. like ultimate betrayal but i don't yeah i mean not i'm not saying that i didn't like his performance or the movie wasn't well i just it didn't the thing about the thing about his son is that that's that's the inciting incident that drives him to leave his like the end that ends his his marriage with his previous wife with, with actually his only wife ends his marriage with his wife he he, he doesn't follow his he has a degree as, as a doctor he that he, he completely uh, loses that and this side is of all that. this is all symbolically the, no this is all happens before like like he, he he was a professor and everything uh he was with his wife everything's going great uh, he's, he has a perfect family. He's got two fat kids. One perfect little kid out of nowhere has Macaulay blonde, Culkin. Has blonde hair. It took me a while to separate Macaulay Culkin from this film because, like, I'm just sitting there watching. Oh. I'm, I'm not. How do, you're gonna have to explain something then? How how do you get that he left his wife before he went to Vietnam? This is after. Uh, yeah, so before he went to Vietnam, so this this is his whole thing. Like, so he he was a doctor, right? Right. Everything's going great. He's got his wife. He's got his two fat kids and and the young kid. And the young Macaulay, youngest Macaulay one kid. died. Youngest and one he, dies, and he feels so like. But as, as far as I understood, that's when he went to Vietnam. Right. So like you know he, he the, their their marriage so kind of starts the, to crumble because he, he can't deal with the grief of that. So he he enlists in. This is my thoughts. He enlists in the well, army. You're, you're putting that in then. <laughs> I am. I okay, am. so well, yeah. no, the movie the movie tells you. I that. mean, like I'm, I'm getting that from the film. Like he 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 goes to Vietnam to to get away from it all because like. You know, but what I was saying that him actually leaving, like moving in with the other girl, leaving his wife, that was all symbolically. I'm in saying his that mind. never that never happened. Yeah, exactly. That never happens. That's him. Like right. as he's dying, he's thinking, "What if." What, what what could have been? That's him, like you know, like experiencing the things that he never got to experience. What if I banged the male lady? What, what if I fucked the the sexy ass? <laughs> like uh, what's her name, Elizabeth Pena? Yes. Like you know, ooh, like you see the ass on her. Ooh, them little titties. Oh my god! Like he, you know, he he was. The director did an <laughs> excellent job of placing her in very beautiful shots. Oh yeah. oh dude, yeah, she she's great, and like even when she gets really dark, like she she fits. Both those. She fits the the caring girlfriend who is supporting him and even helping him when he's sick and all that. But also playing the when she's like basically fucking that dude on the dance floor with the weird bat wing and all that, like just into it. Oh, that's disturbing stuff. Yeah, she 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 plays like dark and evil, but also very sweet and caring at the same time, and also showing us a little nip every now and then. 
Very nice. I liked I liked how the director uses uh, nudity. Um, the director Adrian Line uh, he did Fatal Attraction the year before, so you know he's he's not afraid to ask people. You know, and it get did, naked it, on camera. It didn't seem grotesque or like 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 it was just kind of like it's no, just it there. seems natural. It's yeah, just it's natural. Like a, that's how uh, you know two people that are intimate with each other sharing an apartment. You know, that's yeah. how they're gonna be. Right. You know, I'm getting dressed for work. You know, or, you know, she steps into the shower, that that whole thing, you know, that, yeah. and then and then it, or even she's just walking around with her shirt open, and it's just kind of open a little bit, and then you know, uh, on and off the bed, it's just kind of like you know, there's two or three scenes in a row, but you know, she's got her she's got her gear out. Yeah, and he's really good with the the relationships, and I I did have to watch it uh, a second time just to to pick up on some of the subtle things that um, the actress is even doing, like just even the there's a scene where she's. She's talking to him. And she takes her hand and does like these claw marks. Oh yeah, she down goes his down his back. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. It's just like, oh, what, what is going? What is up? What, what is up with that? You know. But her name is Jezebel. So Jezzy, and she burns his photos. Literally, dude, that's that's hardcore. She's like, I don't, I don't, his I don't like things that make you cry, but. These are photos of my children and of a life before you, and you're just gonna fucking burn them. That's it's major. In his head, she didn't really do it. <laughs> Well, <laughs> Danny Aieo's got like this. Uh, he he plays this chiropractor who is a spiritual guide of some kind. Kind of like a, a like he calls him a cherub, an angel. Yeah, he does. You know, he, he's the he's first also angel the doctor we see. in the med scene, right? See, I don't. I, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I, I was reading online where people were saying that everybody that shows up in the dream is also in the name well, sequence. Well, check. It looks like to me. It, I I may be remembering wrong, but when he actually dies at the end, the doc, kind of the bigger doctor with short hair. Oh, when this looks like he fights, yeah. it looks the same. It looks like the same guy to me. Just got short hair, dyed black. Same dyed guy darker. that plays a chiropractor. Yeah, uh, so I don't think so. He's about the end where they take where they take they take he his dog takes off and they say oh, he he put up a good fight. Oh, he kind of looks kind of calm and peaceful, doesn't he? That whole scene. Yeah, one of those guys. Okay, interesting. I need to look at that again. I mean, and they said the uh, the guy that uh, invented the ladder uh, was one of the helicopter pilots. I mean, I even went back and looked at that, and I, and I, I couldn't tell because uh, yeah, that, I was I was interested about that because when he actually meets up with this guy, he kind of calls him out of nowhere and was like, "Hey, oh by the way, hey, I, I was at Vietnam. I did some drug trials." He's like, "Oh great, let's meet up." And he goes and meets him up, and he's like, "Oh yeah, I remember you." Like like they had met before, but I was like, "When the fuck did you guys meet? We haven't seen this yet." Oh no no, he's the one like, that tells him to get out of the way. The, the car's coming. No 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 no. I'm talking. About, I, I think he was talking about like we had met back in Vietnam. Oh, I took it like uh, maybe he was just met because he's like, "Hey, get out of the way!" You know, you know like, yeah. And he's also in the he's also in the bar when he's meeting the dude who shakes his eyes before he gets blown up in his car. He, he's kind of in the bar, kind of like scoping them out. Yeah, yeah. He saves him from that. Oh, that was a I'm, weird. Go ahead. While we're talking about that dude, I want to ask you guys something. But to ask it, I need to kind of run through what's going on in the movie. All right, so the movie opens. You got this Vietnam scene. Then you're in New York in a subway. And then you you kind of see this guy post-Vietnam. He's got some shell shock or something. He's living with a, with his girlfriend. He's moved. You know, he's not with his wife anymore. He regrets his kid being dead. Weird shit starts happening with, like, faceless people chasing him in cars. Creatures showing up. And then eventually he meets up with some guys he used to be in the Army with. They're having the same experience. Um, they all decide they're not going to sue the Army with him. But then this one dude shows up, right? 
And the one dude says, well, you, you guys were an experiment. We gave you this drug called the ladder right. that made y'all go crazy and kill each other. And then it reveals that his buddy killed him. And then you get the end of the movie where he, you know, he dies. And you get that, oh, all we just saw was in his mind as he was dying, him letting go of his life. Right. But then the director throws up this screen. They used to throw drugs on these military people oh, that all the time. fucking title card? Yeah, I hate that. Now, up until that moment, like, I had in my brain answered the, oh, he created the drug to explain, like, why his buddies all went crazy and started killing each other. Right. But then when he threw up the card, I was like, okay, is he saying that really happened? If, if so, how did the guy know? He wouldn't know. That, that's 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 my, that's the biggest problem with this whole movie is that that just feels like that the the whole drug thing was like something that it's like a political statement we're trying to say. It's something that we're trying to sell. This that there is no way that this guy in his last like twelve hours of life, let's just say if it's that long, he's flashing in and out the whole time, that he would know this drug was the reason that everybody went crazy and killed each other. That doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, unless unless that I mean that really happened. Okay, so the title card. Once the title card comes up at the end, the way I have to read the movie is because in the beginning you see Ving Rhames and another soldier, and they're clearly drugged, right? Right. Ving Rhames is shaking on the ground, foaming at the mouth, and the other guy starts like spinning, and everybody's like, "What the fuck's going on?" And we know this is where you know Tim Robbins. Is, is gonna die Right In that sequence He gets stabbed And then that's when We go into Dream movie right Right Well with that In the title card It just You have to read it As in it, you, ha- you have to take that All that stuff at, at face value Right I think And then All the dream s- stuff Is him trying to Piece it together In his mind For it to make sense Did he know They were drugged Did it, Was it like We're gonna drug you guys And see what happens no, like, but or, I mean, see, I think that's the, the series of events that you see, you know, that first scene, right. it's just the series of events. It's like, he's just kind of piecing it together and like, oh, this is what happened. Or they go not. out of the way to say that he's an educated man. Right. He's they a, call he's that professor. He's, right. He's the professor. Yeah. yeah. But, but maybe not. Maybe this is one of the things where sometimes in films, the audience knows more than the characters. So maybe this is the director and the writer saying, "Hey, this is what happened." But you can't know more than the characters because you haven't. This is a movie with an unreliable narrator. Well, it's just kind of like how, how sometimes you know that there that there's a killer in the room, but the other characters don't. But the problem is that this movie takes place inside of the character's head, right? So he either knew he was being drugged, he heard he was drugged while he's on the gurney, right? Or he telepath telepathically figured out he was drugged. Right, which is the reason why so-and-so came over and stabbed me with his bayonet. Like, if they were drugged and they didn't know about it, as the crazy dude claims in the movie, then he has no way of having the story in his head. If they were, say they had volunteered, we're okay, we'll try the drug and see what happens, and then they all go crazy and kill each other, and he's justifying it in his brain, okay, but we weren't told that. No, not at all. So if they were drugged and didn't know it, went crazy and killed each other, he, we go into his head, inside of his head, he figures out they were drugged. How did he figure it out? Telepathically? Just I guessing? Mean, well, I mean, if, if, his, if you see your whole platoon turn on each other and everybody's just randomly killing each other, and you saw that guy, those two guys spaz out and have a seizure right in front of you, 
I mean, yeah, I guess, I, you know, I mean, it's, it doesn't I don't think it's that big of a logic leap there because I mean, that first scene is so bizarre and he does spend the time on it again. That title card. I fucking hate that title card, by the way, not because how it makes me interpret the movie at all. And, you know, like, I think it helps me understand what the director wanted. Man, it fucks up the emotional beat of the ending, dude. Like, I have feelings, bro. I am feeling emotions. And then all of a sudden that title card comes up and I'm just like, what the fuck is that? Right. I'm dealing with this guy and his son. They're going to heaven. He's just passing away. He's in a beautiful place right now. Uh, hey, guys, by the way, uh, soldiers in Nam, they were drugged. They didn't know about it. Pentagon denies it. Peace. And then if you do some research on that, it didn't really, it's like, it's, it seems to be total bullshit. Oh, yeah. No, Adrian Lyne, like, totally has come out and just like, uh, no, I thought I read that in a book somewhere, but it wasn't in there. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> He's like, fuck that movie. <laughs> it was a movie, guys. Don't believe everything. <laughs> It also seems like the director and the writer kind of had different visions a little bit. Looking, I felt that way. Yeah, when you look up what the writer's done, um, I forget what this guy's name is, Bruce Joel Rubin. But he wrote Ghost that came out the same year, which was a huge hit. Um, Jacob this, Slider was not. Is this based off a book or anything, or is it just a screenplay that he wrote? No, yeah, he's he's really big into uh, spirituality. Uh, apparently, like he does like uh, meditation, and he's hmm. all into that. It seems like the writer wanted to go down a spiritual path and tell the father-son story. Yeah. You know? And the director wanted to tell the, man, they used to poison our troops story. Yeah. It kind of seemed like they were interested in, in different things. That's why it felt to me. I, you know, I, I do think the director did a, a good job. Like, I like how he pulls off like the demonic stuff. Like, he can totally set suspense. There are some moments in this movie that are totally like, what the fuck? Uh, and and you're thinking back to that this movie was made back in 90, how many visuals have been stolen for other movies now? And this yeah. was all done in camera. There's no digital effect in this movie. I mean, this like, is all like you were effect. saying, Slender Man, yeah. and then you, the trip through the set of Saw. Oh, man, yeah. No, dude, they totally ripped uh, Slender Man as a ripoff of the, the guy in the back of the, the subway car. Yeah, I mean, the quick moving in the face. Yeah. Like, yeah. The effects and the, the creepy-looking stuff has been... Right. Reused over and over. I watched over. some behind the scenes stuff where they're talking about. There's this great shot where they show um, Jacob. He's on this gurney, and we've got this Steven? like this like low angle. <laughs> we've got this low angle shot of of the back right wheel of the gurney, and it's spinning. And they talked about how they 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 shortened it by like a half an inch from all the other ones. So. As it would go across the, the ground, it would spin and get caught on things. It just makes this really weird, eerie. That was nasty. It's, it's super bad. It's like all these like body parts all over the yes. ground. And, oh, and it's then, like like I said, it's like they went through the set of salt. <laughs> yeah, and you like look up and there's like all these like gimps like craw- crawling across the the. Uh, oh, there's uh, that one woman breastfeeding like some yeah, kind of yeah, mutant yes. baby. It's just oh. like what the fuck. It's like its head's all like disproportioned. It's all it's weird, right? Just very bizarre imagery. So yeah. it, it, after that scene, which you think that, that that would be the end of the film, like basically he gets picked up by these like guys in a car and he gets like it gets into an argument with them. And yeah, you gets, think it's the government. Yeah, he get, thinks the government and, then, and, and then he, the gets, army. he gets thrown out and then like Santa comes and steals his wallet <laughs> and he gets taken to the hospital and he gets drugged in and they tell him, you know, you're dead. You, you, I'm not dead. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I'm alive. You know. But then after that, there's this whole moment where his like family comes to visit him in the hospital. Yeah. You know? So that's where we start bringing in all this like uh, really sad stuff. But that's just like him coming to terms with that. It or, is a great line of he doesn't have a wallet. No, Santa took it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like that son of a bitch. He's like. He's like <laughs> 
<laughs> Santa Claus. Dude, don't tell him the truth. You sound insane. <laughs> Santa stole my wallet. <laughs> oh, man. You could go straight to the nut house, brother. Tim Robbins does have some nice moments, though, in this movie. He does have some weird choices he makes. Like what? Like his, his laugh. laugh. No, yes. his laugh is so strange. Jinx. He's like... <laughs> It's, 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 it's sort of a forced. <laughs> now I have to laugh. Ha ha ha. Oh yeah, especially uh, yeah. The, like she she's getting into the like the t- the shower with him. He's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like oh that's right. Let me get some of that ass. <laughs> and it's it's weird how they call it out in the beginning. Like that's how his character is introduced. He has that goofy laugh and he he carries it out the, throughout the movie. Oh yeah, right, right. He, he he was off in the woods taking a shit. Yeah. Before everything happens and like oh you know like oh, how many sh- times do you shit a day? And he's like. <laughs> you playing with yourself over there, Tim Robbins? He's like, oh, I had to like wipe my ass with these banana leaves. <laughs> it is a weird, bizarre choice. <laughs> I did not like it right away, but it, it grew on me quick. So I I watched the trailer for this film, and they give away everything in the trailer. They show all of the cool special effects. They show the hell flash that we talked about before. They they show the thing is like uh, even down to the point where the where he's like on the. Where they're screwing in the things on his head, like we talked about a second ago. He's like, he's like, uh, he's like, why do you think you're here? And he's like, he's like, you're dead. And he's like, I'm alive. That's all in the fucking trailer. They sh- they give away everything in the trailer for this. I'm trying movie. to get people to go see it. It's just like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> it, it didn't work. I just can't believe. Yeah, it's like this this movie they they marketed. The, they're like, how are we gonna get people to come see this crazy ass movie and just give it all away? It's ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen the trailer for it. Well, I mean, rephrase that. I'm sure I saw it when I was younger, but. So, do you think now's the time to to watch the trailer? Oh, okay. Sorry, that was uh, that was a that was a great segue there. Jim. I was trying to get there. <laughs> All right, guys. So uh, we're gonna take a break. We're gonna play the trailer for Jacob's Ladder. Every day, Jacob Singer goes to work. What's wrong? Oh, this is one of those days. And every day, he wonders what is happening to him. Maybe it's the pressure, Jake. They're like demons, Jess. What were they, Jake? Let me look at your hand. You have a very strange line. See, according to this, you're already dead. (laughs) Something's wrong, Jake. They're coming after me. I don't know who they are or what they are, but they're going to get me, and I'm scared, Jake. I've seen them, too. Maybe the demons are real. He's running 106 feet with... This is barbaric. I can get rid of the demons. Who are you? I can block the ladder. Where are you taking me? Where am I? Where do you want to go? Home. This is your home. You're dead. I'm not dead. What are you then? I'm alive. That was a great trailer. So that was the trailer <laughs> for <laughs> Jacob's Ladder. And oddly, like as soon as you hit play, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this." <laughs> Jacob's Ladder, guys. I, th- there's one thing. I it's kind of off topic, kind of on topic, but in the '80s, why did Vietnam look like Vietnam did in the '80s? You know what I mean? It has a certain look, like. The beginning of this movie looks just like fucking Platoon. It looks like all those 80... No, it doesn't look like Apocalypse Now. 
But it looks like it looks like a lot of them. I would say, you know, maybe Full Metal Jacket. I'd throw that right. out as being an exception as well. But as I was watching this film, I was thinking, you know, like now we have all these movies like The Hurt Locker and all this shit that's about like, you know, the wars that were, you know, 15, in 20 desert. years. In desert. You know what I mean? So everything that was coming out in the 80s, early 90s was, everything, was the Vietnam and all that. So it's kind of like we're in the same kind of motif that all of our war movies now kind of all feel the same. I don't know, dude. Like the '80s, it always feels like it's backlot, or it was like I don't know, shot in Costa Rica or something. You know what I mean? Right? Yeah. It, well, it, I mean, it, it's jungle and rice paddies. Yeah. It just I don't know. It like it does not feel like apocalypse. Like apocalypse now feels like that. Vietnam. Felt like you were in the location. Yeah. Like I will say, yeah. Like, I was thinking that it, that some of these uh, scenes uh, with the helicopters and all that kind of felt kind of hokey in this movie. I don't know. It's like the right location, but it's the resort version of it. You know what I mean? It's right. Like, this is a little bit too comfortable. You know, like I I believe you guys got access to this location via road. Vincent's I agree. Like, what's up? No, it just made me think of. No, he was uh, thinking. I was waiting. Yeah, I was too. I'm not. It wasn't anything important. I just started thinking about a movie. <laughs> His mind is adrift. Well, that, and the that, movie was Good Morning Vietnam. See, but even that felt like you were on like hit location there. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it, exact, it totally had the feel. Yeah, well, that's what made me think of it. It's yeah. like that looks different. And I then I started thinking about Robin Williams, and you're like, no, that looks like platoon. As well. <laughs> Makes me a nice bowl of, bowl of pho. Maybe, maybe Platoon came out and everyone was like, you know what? That won a shit ton of Oscars. Let's just copy that. <laughs> That's what Vietnam looks like. <laughs> yep. Yep. And what was the one with Michael J. Fox? Uh, oh, Sean Penn. Yeah, that was um, a Brian De Palma flick. Uh, what was that? Casualties of War? Yeah. I haven't yeah. seen that one. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah if I you want to feel catch up on my like Palma shit. You want to watch uh, Sean Penn uh, rape, uh, you know, Vietnam uh, villagers. It was weird when I was a kid, like, going from Marty McFly and Family Ties, Michael J. Fox, to the dude, like, dropping F-bombs every couple seconds. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Fuck, Doc, we gotta go back to the fucking future. (laughs) (laughs) That movie's just like, Spicoli, why are you being such an asshole? You just need to chill out. Oh, okay. So Jacob's letter. Yeah, drugs and war and death and demons. That, that that's the movie. So every time when he's in Nam and he starts to get like woken up or he sees like a bright light or something something that would snap you out of a dream, right? That's when he gets like disruptions in his nightmares. Not only does he get these flashbacks, but it's kind of it's when he starts seeing like fucked up things. You know right. what I mean? You start seeing the demonic imagery and the octopus winged bat that's having sex with his girl. Right. What was that, by the way? An octopus winged bat. Well, I mean, that's kind of what it looked like. I, I, th- I think that if, if he were to give up to those things, he would technically go to hell. But by resisting them and, uh, and working his way through it and getting his resolution and going with the angel side, his son takes him to heaven. Well, that's some strange theology. I don't know. The, I mean, the, the chiropractor, though, says, like, if you're frightened of dying and, and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it, that's all. So don't worry, okay? 
He's he's got that line where it's like you know you see them as demons and then you know but yeah the 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 creatures that rip apart your memories you know they're just tearing them away to get you ready for heaven right does that mean that everybody goes to heaven or is that like you know like that's it, kind no, of how no, this movie presents no, it yeah. no, no matter what you're gonna have to deal with this creepy shit and eventually <clears> once you get past that you well you, maybe it's not trying to say heaven it's just saying afterlife okay. I don't know, but the Jacob's Ladder, you're putting... And they, yeah, and they you're use... sticking that in the title, yeah. Yeah, and they're using, like, Jezebel, and they make a point to even call out his son's names as biblical references. Right. yeah. Just in case, like, hey, dumb audience, just oh. in case you don't know. <laughs> oh, we're putting everything in here, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. I his, did not know that. His son's name was Gabe. Gabriel. Like, right? Yeah? Gabriel? Anybody? Yeah. It would have probably taken me a minute to pick up on that, though. Right. You know, I appreciate them throwing that out there for me. Yeah, no. This was totally one of those movies that I saw as as a as a kid, uh, and it totally blew my mind. And but as a uh, as an adult slash filmmaker slash film critic, <laughs> uh, watching it again, I just I just it the, all the holes glare out at me. But that doesn't take away that it is still a powerful film that is gorgeous and has some like really redeeming qualities. It's just, just there's just this shit that I can't get over. Man, I don't think it really has holes. I'm I really just have a problem with the last act when the doctor shows up. Right, yeah, that, that, but that's what weakens it for starts me. Starts explaining the latter. Like I'm kind of okay with the government conspiracy stuff, but it, at that point of the movie, the government conspiracy it starts getting in the way of. Um, that's kind of what I was meaning earlier. The like, relationship with his son story. To me, you know? the movie would have been tighter if you would have just taken out the government conspiracy stuff. Yeah, but I mean, this is so much of what the movie is, though. It's like, <laughs> I feel like you have a 30-minute film, man. You know what I mean? Because I, I do feel like the director's a little obsessed with that. I, yeah, I understand, but... Like, the the heart of the story is he, he's dying, he, his his mind is breaking apart his life, he needs to submit and go into the light with his son, and it feels like we're getting sidetracked to think about, especially in that third act. Yeah. The doctor coming in feels thrown in and out of nowhere. It's like we're building up to all this shit, and he's finally, it's getting worse and worse and worse, and then doesn't doesn't that happen after he... Gets we go through our hell moment. The yeah. uh, the things are crawling on the ceiling and all that. So this is even after that. His family comes to visit him. Then the doctor comes in and is like, "Where's Jacob Singer? This is barbaric." The, all that fucking ridiculous shit. <laughs> the <And> savior he, <laughs> chiropractor. You know, the the chiropractor, like you know, brings him out and like like saves his life. And then even after all of that, which feels like we're we're like coming to our climax, our our resolution. Then we slow the film down to a fucking crawl in and. and we explain oh by the way uh you know there's this drug thing and then they just wrap it up really quickly See, the doctor after that. didn't bother me at all no no, no i'm just saying but what i'm saying is like that that was like building up to momentum it felt like we we're about to wrap this movie up and then no we're gonna throw this other 15 20 minute scene where we try to explain what the fuck's been going on it just felt really thrown in i mean the doctor coming in it and getting him i that didn't bother me at all i have to i'll stand alone on that one uh, well, the it, it drug like, thing to me was what fell. The, the, that, that's what Phil's thrown in, yeah. Thrown in. I have a problem with the scene because it's an expo- it's an exposition dump toward the end of the movie when I'm kind of okay with where the, the where the film's going, right? And I can already see where it's it's going to wrap up here. Maybe that's the problem I'm having. Like maybe if he had just you know it said something like you know why they, why you guys all killed each other and then had Tim Robbins go we killed each other well, yeah you were on drugs we had put drugs in your milk 
and then he remembers his buddy killing him. Like, if you'd have cut it down to that, maybe it wouldn't have been so much of a, why are we talking about this? <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, no, to me, I mean, I, yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Because to me, by that point, I had already, like, way earlier locked on to, okay, he's dying, and he's his mind is trying to figure out, like, how to let go. But then when that came up, it was like, okay, is he not dying? It was like it was like the director was trying to, to make me at that moment go, no, he's not dying. He's just got this drug in his head that's fucking with him. Right. It's like to throw you a curveball just to kind of like throw but, you off at the end. But it wasn't a curveball that I would that I wanted to swing at, you know? Yeah. It was one right. that I'm like, I'm going to let that go by, but. <laughs> no, you're right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you, you may have figured it out, but then they throw this shit in there to make you go to start questioning yourself again and then they're like then oh no it really and was. at that point in the movie i didn't want to question it anymore it's like <laughs> all right come on let's wrap it up yeah no no yeah I, th- I think you're exactly right see i was getting that same feeling but is that because you're a modern person watching an older film a film that's 20 some odd years old like is it ooh? Is, is, is that, I, mean, is that, I mean it could be but i mean i watch old movies all the time that i don't have right issues with I, I, dude, I, I do have a little bit, little bit of a problem with the pacing. Yeah, um, it, there's no reason this movie needs to be two hours long. It yeah, it's fucking solid two hours. It, it's, it's pretty much like right after the whole Jason Alexander bit, and his, his buddies tell him like, no, we're not gonna do, we're not gonna press charges or anything like that. We're dropping the case. The movie really just kind of it slows down. It does, and I, I feel like it gets kind of repetitive. It falters. I, yeah, I, I, it really does kind of feel like okay, guys, you're you're sh- just showing me the same thing now at this point, right? Once, once they're getting back into that uh, crazy hospital again, right? I, I do think it picks up. So I don't, I don't know. It's like twenty minutes. When well, we have to slow down for him to um, study demonology. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, rent every it, single devil book at the at the library. Well, it, it doesn't help Even too that he's got to read. Yeah, it doesn't help too that she's coming in and going. It's been days since like you've you, done you, anything, and we're like, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it on this side too, and then, and then the whole thing of going to the pool hall, and then you know the, his uh, his his buddy with the shaking eyes shows up, and then he gets like blown up in a car. Jacob leans down to try to pick up this quarter that's magically moved away from. Well, see, him. I didn't mind that at all. Okay, I'm well, just saying, but even that that kind of stuff feels like it's like slowing the pace. No, was, well, to me that was like okay, something's going on. Like we're getting a hint because that was the first curveball to make you think. Okay, maybe there's something mentally going on with all the military guys. But when his friend blew up, I was like, oh no, he's letting them go. His friend blew up in the war. Right. But then, you know, that leads into a pretty interesting part where, like, all the Army guys are going to, you know, sue the Army. It's right after that, right after the lawyer's like, we're not suing, you don't have a case, that the movie just kind of goes, But one of the Army guys, which I thought was really weird, doesn't remember any of it. Do you remember that? Oh, I think like he's the, just trying to like play it cool. The, the younger guy is like, well, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Yeah. Like, what the fuck was that? Like, no, I think he's experiencing it. He's just trying to be like, I'm the tough guy. I, he's the cool guy. I'm, you know, he's I'm the super shortest macho, guy right? to all of them. You know, he's, like, he's <laughs> Italian. What do you think? <laughs> Back then, you could be stereotypical in movies. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, he was definitely trying to play it cool. But yeah, I, talking since like we're talking a lot of shit. I thought the movie. I think the movie's really fucking cool. It's just like there's some there's some weird shit about it that they just didn't really it's just kind of like they don't give a fuck they're just like all right this is what it is no it's just it, it is it's it's a bizarre like 
a conflict of ideas somewhere in the middle, and it's it's where the pace slows down, and you get an exposition dump. It's weak, it, and it's noticeably weak, I think. Yeah. But, but the rest of it, I mean, I love it. I, I mean, I love it. Like I said, like I did get emotional. Like I, I almost teared up when we were watching it, man. Like yeah. you know, it's like ooh, got a little misty eyed. <laughs> you just have to let go that it's Macaulay Culkin a little bit. Like you kind of got to see past him, and then you actually see, wow, he's actually doing a really good job as a kid actor. No, yeah, he's a really good kid actor. Yeah, and then, and then yeah. And yeah, I'm saying like, and then even like Tim Robbins playing against him, and there's this really cool thing where they sing. Oh, uh, it's like Dan- is it Danny Boy or uh, oh the song he sings? Uh, yeah, in the, um, but at the beginning of the movie, yeah, he, he's singing. He's singing it. At, uh, you know, he's kind of doing his truck, and then at the end, he like brings it back with the kid. So that kind of shows a whole like you know like his his mindset when he's feeling happy. In the truck, he's thinking about that. Yeah, and then later on, that comes back when it's a, it's, it's a it's a beautiful time with him and his son before you know Gabe gets ran over by trying to pick up base, baseball cards in the road. All those little those little moments where they cut in like that and um, like the intestine push in and the uh, ice bath. Oh God, yeah. And I think that's like the craziest choice that that's the first time you get this you get a weird cut in to see his previous life. Yeah. It's it's well because he's cold and he's like, he's like he's like Sarah close the window and he goes into this whole like thing and it's really weird like because uh, she that's when you see the turn in Jezebel because he was experiencing this these memories with his uh, with his children and his previous wife and all that and he was talking yes. in his sleep and she brings it up to him and then from then on that's when their disconnect starts to happen she becomes more of a of a demony type character to him. Oh that. yes, because she because she 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 doesn't trust him anymore because he's thinking about his previous life and all that. Oh, I mean, she's got that. That is a great. That actually, that jump scare still works. Oh, when she's she like, is anybody the- home? And her like eyes turn black, and she's got those teeth. Oh yeah, because yeah, oh oh man, yeah, it's oh, great. That was some pretty good makeup, like demon face. Oh, I like yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, it's subtle, but it's good. It's, it's very good. good. That's what makes it work. But I mean, the bathtub scene, it, I do think it's 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 interesting that that's the the moment where we. I feel like we're actually getting a, a memory as opposed to like a metaphor or, or some kind of dream state. Right. Something that actually happened instead of something that was like what he's dealing with, the grief he's dealing with of like what could have happened. This is like I'm remembering something that was a good time. Yeah. Instead I think, of projecting. Yeah. It's like one of the only times you see Macaulay Culkin outside of the end. Oh, yeah. But I, I love there's like little quick flashes like when he's on the gurney and, you know, before he goes in and they're like tightening the screws and even Jezebel's there oh, before yes. they, they jam the, the needle in his forehead. Oh, that's fucking like, freaky shit. He, he, he looks to his left and you see Gabe's bike off in a little alcove. Oh, that's shit. good. And he's kind of looking over. It's kind of he's like, <gasps> oh, yes, he's like these really big emotional moments. Uh, I mean, it, it's a total Pet cemetery knockoff. Is that this is after Pet Cemetery? Uh, yeah, Pet, Pet Cemetery was definitely out before this film because that was out. Even the movie was on. What was that eighty seven? I want to say it's eighty seven. It may be eighty six. Um, this it, is ninety. So yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it somewhere around there. But the, you know, the kid going out and I mean, because Tim Robbins' character, he's he's with his son. Yeah. When that happens. Oh yeah, totally. He he just taught him how to like ride the bike you know there's a scene where like kind of like pushes him off and he's he's so excited or whatever and then you know then this happens he yeah across the road yeah i mean you can see why his marriage broke up and it, it, it it's totally oh. his fault even though it's not it, it, he feels it's his oh yeah no fault. dude all the guilt you would feel like how could you not i mean oh i think that's terrible. what that's this whole film is dealing with guilt yeah that's the theme 
But uh, you know, I, uh, talking about things we really like as well, uh, cinematography. Yeah. Oh, dude, it's gorgeous. There, there's a scene where at the end where uh, he gets dropped off to the hotel. He goes in and the door guy is like, "Oh, haven't seen you in a while, Mister Singer, or whatever." Oh yes, yes, yeah, yes, yes. But there's that scene where he's in the he's in the cab and it's like lightly raining or snowing or whatever, and it's just gorgeous. It's like lit beautifully. Like you get to see this like idyllic New York setting. Pulling up to this like building, it was like wow, this is fucking amazing looking. And even to the point where he goes up to the stairs and he sits down, and it's like raining. And there's like they're, they're oh, that shining. whole end section is oh yeah. And you're seeing all the reflections of the water dripping on the walls and everything. But then like it kind of goes down, and then it comes back up, and it's like daytime where the, where it's it's like brilliantly lit. And that's when Macaulay Culkin comes down and is like dad. That whole like where he leads him up. And it's like it's okay, it's okay. Um, it's it, it's heaven. beautiful. No, dude, it it does look it yeah. does look really good. I mean, even the 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 creepy like monster stuff is is really well done too. Oh, like, totally. Yeah, just think about it. As they were walking up the stairs, this is just a what if. <laughs> but as they were walking up the stairs, you know, and you're going through the bright light, if. One of those little creature tails had stuck out from behind Macaulay Colton's shirt. <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing! Like, yeah, one of those dick tail things. Yeah, like it's weird. Like, yeah, it's total like phallic. Symbol. Oh no, dude! It totally. Yeah, it's a purple penis. Yeah, it's, it's like coming out of the. On or the even if just as simple, like when he takes his dad's hand, you see he's got like claws. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't. He's a demon. <laughs> Oh man, but no, I I I, th- I do think this movie looks looks really good, and you know, you know I thought um, his apartment, um, Tim Robbins and uh, Elizabeth Pena, where where they were in, I man, dude, I could have sworn that was an actual location, but they actually built that. Really, that's a set. Yeah, and the reason they it's did a great set. That's a great set. What's crazy is uh, they found an apartment, and the director wanted to use that. But the reason they had to actually build a set was they couldn't get the camera and the dolly through. So it's Makes exactly sense. one inch longer and wider, and I guess wider in every direction. No shit. Yeah, that's what they changed. I don't know if it's an exact one inch, but that's what he said in the commentary. But that's I was like, crazy. That is, yeah, that's, that's money for you, brother. See, I listened to the commentary seriously like 12 to 15 years ago. Is it worth, like, is it a good commentary now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Adrian Lyons got a real good uh, head on his shoulder, man. That's He's, awesome. Yeah, it's totally worth you know, it's not like listening to Tim Burton. On See, I, I, I have a vague memory of him talking about frame rates and about, about when they were doing some of the special effects. They talked about doing. Yeah, I forget what he. I think it was like around did like six frames. Yeah, because they having to slow. They, they they shot it like you know at a slow frame rate, but it's a fast motion to get the head shaking and all that kind of stuff. Dude, I mean, there's that shot though that's out the back of the window of the car that almost hits Tim Robbins. Right. And dude, you can see Tim Robbins. How, how are they doing where the guy in the car is exactly right? His yeah. head's moving fast, but the car motion in Tim Robbins is standard speed. Yeah. So it's, it looks like a composite or even when they're going down, like Tim Robbins is on the, the gurney. Did they drive the car slow? I don't know. I don't know how the hell they did this, but like even on the gurney where like they, he, they make a turn and then you see a uh, camera left down a hallway and the dude's like, psh, the head's like shaking. But Tim Robbins is on the gurney and he's looking back at normal speed and you see like it's kind of over the shoulder to him and it feels normal and it cut back to a reaction. I don't know. They're, they're having to do some like weird compositing shit to keep the, the timing right. I mean, I don't think there was any compositing there, man. There is no mats, dude. I mean, like, dude, this nineteen. Man, it just man. had the car going slow and have Tim Robbins just moving slow. Yes, and then like speeding it up yeah. to make it feel right. Yeah, and just playing, just doing playing it a couple with times. it until yeah. the motion feels right. It's craziness. 
because it told it totally works. Oh no, it looks great, dude. Like some of those shots, I was like, "What the? How did they do that?" And there's the thing where like the where the girl's getting like she's dancing with the the the, the Guido dude on the on the dance floor, and he's got the bat wing, and then like she kind of like in this like and he's like fucking her from behind, and this like horn like pops out of her mouth, and they did that in multiple stages of like having this thing in her mouth. But the way it cuts together, it looks like a seamless, like, where it just, like, like the horn Ugh. comes out of her mouth. It's ridiculous. That, that, that is a disturbing sequence. And they set that whole thing up. He's uncomfortable. He doesn't like, you know, she's trying to dance with him. And he's like, eh, I'm not really into this party thing. I'm, I kind of want to go home and hang out and read my demonic books or whatever. And she goes up and he, he meets, like, the, the, the woman who, like, reads his palm. And she's like, oh, the funny thing is, you're already dead. And we're like, oh, really? <laughs> the thing we've been, like, thinking about the whole fucking movie? Yeah, I think once you go to the subway, it's like, you yeah. know, once they, they show you that one sign, it's like, hell. It's like, uh, okay. Yeah. I love that subway scene where he's down and he goes in and like like all the they've got these old like um, like light bulbs on the wall and they're kind of shaking and tinkling yes. and all that and then like the the train goes by and everybody's like staring in the window at him. It's so fucking awesome. And there's just like moisture everywhere. Oh, like, everything's like, wet and driven. I, there's rats and shit running around. And I was like, fuck. Like no, this can, is the most dangerous place to work ever. <laughs> you can definitely see like the visual influence the movie had. Oh yeah. On everything following, yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. No, you're, you're right. Maybe like you know, it's easier to see this film's problems now that we've had like so many carbon copies, right, of this film. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier. Is like you know, I saw this movie when it first came out, but I haven't seen it since then, and I'd completely forgot all about it. But I've seen dozens of movies since then that kind of go on the same. Oh, this is that person's. In his in his mind, right after he's di- as he's dying, type movies. They're rewatching it. It felt like you know, even though this movie came first, it felt like it was copying these other movies, like derivative. Yeah. So yeah, it was an unfair criticism, but I couldn't help doing it. Right, because it feels old hat at this point. Like it was an unfair comparison, but at the same time, it's like it's unfair, but I can't help it. I you know, I kept thinking of uh, Mahalan Drive while watching this. Really. Yeah. yeah, I thought of that some too. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, and I kept thinking like there are scenes in Mulholland Drive that I think are way better than anything in this movie, but the emotional through line in this film I thought was better as a directed film from start to finish. Watching it and getting an emotional impact, I thought I, as an audience member I just enjoyed it more. I think, and a, I felt it more. I think a prereq- prerequisite for being in Jacob's Ladder is you had to cry. Every single fucking character in this movie cries. <laughs> yeah. And, like, uh, actually tears. Like, every single one of them. Like, uh, e- like every a- every single one of the army guys. Like, every single... Man, like, there's always a shot of them. Like, you know, like, e- e- oh, even... true. E- even the guy who was, um, who was in Back to the Future... Oh, no, 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 sorry. He, he, was, he was in Coming to America. He, he was the... Uh, Oh, the dude with the mustache. The, the dude with the mustache, the black guy. <laughs> yes. he, like he, he's a badass or whatever. And then about. it cuts in to like he, he hangs up with the guy on the Let phone, and he's like he's like uh, he's like Jacob. We're not we're not we're not going to go with you, whatever. And then it cuts back, and it shows everybody in the room, and it cuts back to him, and he starts crying. Like everybody in this movie has to roll a tear. I mean that that was like <laughs> that's major. So it's just like golly, man, everybody's crying in this movie. So yeah. I, I'm going to give it eight Elkins out of ten. Mostly because of my uh, childhood experience with it, loving it then. I, I'm I'm judging it more now, but like it, it did hang with me this long, so I, I totally recommend this film. It's for personal. It, it may actually only be really like a six out of ten, but I think this is. But but personally, I'll I'll, I'll put it at an eight. Vince is gonna throw a three uh, at uh, it. He's going. Oh, we're numbering it. Yeah. Wait, we are. 
Uh, that's what. That's just mine. I, every every episode, you know, I always throw a number at it. Oh man, I hate numbers now. Yeah, I usually just say I like it. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> it's worth watching. It's good. It's great. It's awesome. Epically amazing. I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't call it epically amazing. I was just going up the scale. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's interesting. It's definitely thought provoking. Um, if I had to give it an Elkins number, <laughs> I'd probably give it a six and a half, seven. Oh, see? Yeah. oh wow, really? That's good, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, that's a lot higher than I thought. Uh, I thought he was going to go three because I, I, I personally said I personally three? is an eight. I said it's probably a six, and I said uh, uh, Jeremy probably go three on it, but he did higher than I thought. I mean, it's got it's got good cinematography, right? Good direction. I mean, there's like you know, there's a couple of things in it that leave you asking questions, asking the wrong kind of questions, in my opinion. Right. Um, but overall, it keeps you interesting. The acting's really good. I, don't, I mean, it's, there's nothing to really knock. Touche, sir. I mean, if I had to put a number on it, I guess, I guess, I, I guess, man, I think I would give this an eight. Ah, yes. You know, like. You know, maybe you know what? I'd probably give it a nine because it, it was made in 1990. Say, thinking about the time it came out, right? Think, think about oh, you're getting it, awful close to a ten. Yeah, there, that's like. that's a little like ooh. No, no. I mean a ten is like no, apocalypse now. No, that's oh okay. That's, yeah, exactly. okay. So it's a seven point five. Okay, so uh, you're about so that, where I'm that, at then. That's good. Yeah, yeah okay, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, maybe yeah, yeah, if we put yeah. apocalypse now as a ten. Yeah. yeah, you got ten is the best it can be. Okay, we'll give it. No, let's still give it an eight because the. The relationship parts, you know, like those were so well earned and just blocked and just emotional and the acting, like just all of yeah. it. I thought that played out a really lot of, well. A lot of good stuff in it. Yeah, it's yeah. dude, I really, really think the blocking was and really you well know, done. It's gonna sound cliche, but the it, the movie is just missing that intangible it that locks it on and makes it a memorable movie. Do you think that it would be better if they would have done another pass and cut out a lot of that shit and just kind of did a tighter cut of it? I think a tighter cut may have helped. Um, Like, just focusing on, and this is just my opinion, but focusing maybe on, like, character motivation and his personal relationships as opposed to trying to latch on to everything maybe would have made it connect a little bit. I don't know. There's just, you know, you see some movies and... and you go, hey, it's great. It's got great acting, great chemistry with the actors, looks beautiful, everything looks great, story's good, and then you just love the movie. And then sometimes like this, it's got great acting, it looks great, sets are awesome, great chemistry between the characters, <laughs> but it's not one that I'm going to, like, you know, six months from now go, man, I got to watch that again. I'm, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, be thinking about it for weeks. Man, but, I watched it three times, bro. I, 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 watched, it, I watched it with my wife, and I watch it with each one of you guys separately and I don't know I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it every time yeah I've seen it probably four or five maybe six times in my lifetime yeah like I said as a kid it was one of my like (gasps) you know holy shit this movie and, and again, like I, I still don't know 100 percent sure if I understand exactly like everything that the writers and directors wanted me to think are they leaving some things ambiguous or i'm i just too stupid to i will say piece it together in their know? marketing when i was like re- uh, researching kind of how they were pushing this they they marketed it as something that you'll be thinking about after you see it that's their whole thing yeah it, it will leave you that. with questions so that's uh and, i think they kind of want they they they, they realize that 
And they, they lean on it, and they want you to, to look back on it and say, hmm, I wonder if this would have happened. Yeah, it, it makes me want to see it again. It's well enough told. Um, there, there's this one weird it's thing. slow, though. When Jacob is with his family, and everything's kind of, like, perfect for a second, there's this weird disembodied voice that says, dream on. Oh, and yes. And it kind of snaps him out of it, and then, like, he's, he kind of, like, breaks down and starts crying again. We never get that voice again. So just wondering what that is. I just assumed it was like a, a medic or, you know, like one of those helicopter pilots right. or an infantry dude, like picking him up and taking him some, or, you know. Or even down to the root of just his subconscious to say, you know, he, he's dying. He's thinking of like, what if this would have happened? Like if everything was perfect again. Ooh, I didn't think about that. And then he's just like, fucking dream on, bro. It's over. I mean, that's gone. That's not happening. That's just his like utter essence. It's just weird. There's uh, a lot no, of weird know, shit yeah. like that in this movie. Yeah, yeah. kind of like, yeah, subconscious Ed. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and it's totally not anywhere else. It's just that one moment. I just assumed it was a placeholder for something else, you right. know, or representative of something in his real world. Could be. Anyways. And I could have swore I recognized the voice of somebody in the movies. It could be that as well. Who knows? But no, it, I mean, look, it, it is a good movie. I definitely think it, it should be seen. Um, the question I have, guys, and this is, this is a movie I, re- I really, really struggle with. Is this a horror movie? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. Psychological thriller horror? I don't know, man. I don't I don't really know what like I would have thought of it as a horror film, but then when I get to the end of the film and I know what the whole film is about, it kind of makes me want to reclassify it because it's only horror through his unreliable narrator self's interpretation of events. You know what I mean? But the events that you're witnessing during the unreliable narrator's interpretation of events are pretty horrific. They are. Yeah. And it's played like a horror film as far as like those moments. Some of them are, but some of them aren't. That's the weird thing about them. Like some of them are just like past like like these weird like things he notices that nobody else even reacts to. I mean, fact, is it a scary movie? No, but yeah, it's a horror movie. Well, it's creepy and unsettling. But, I'll give you that. So if you take all the horror aspects out of a, a horror film, it, it basically becomes a drama. So it's the same. It, it technically could be a horror horror drama. I mean, it, you know, like, like I said, the visuals are creepy and stuff, but I don't know. There was blood. There was gore. There were creatures. Te- yeah. Technically horror. I, I guess I'll give it to you on that. Yeah. But there's also that psychological side to it where it's just like a mind fuck film. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, that, again, like, I mean, but, and that what you would, is it a psychological thriller? Like, is this that's, the that's definition? That's leaning. I would still, I mean, even if it's a psychological thriller. You think that's a subgenre of horror? I would put that under horror, yeah. If oh. there's a little demon kid. Oh, man, now, now you're bro- broaching, is, is, is thriller a subgenre of horror? I was about to ask, like, what's, if, some, what's something in this, gen- that you can, like, I mean, technically, it put this as, but c- compare this film to. But people argue that. You well, know what I mean? Well, when there's little demons and... But if it's perceived as mind demons and they're not real demons, is that horror? Because it's a metaphor. I'm trying to remember your quote when you tagged Girl in Woods psychological horror, psychological thriller that is a subgenre of horror, your quote that tagged it together. (laughs) And I can't remember it. Well, look, I got to play devil's advocate here. So, what what, what's something you you could compare this film to? Like another film, 
Um, Anything? I, dude, I, outside of Lynch stuff, I'm having, I'm, I am drawing a little bit of a blank. Oh, there's that Ryan Gosling movie, uh, um, Stay. See, that, like, that sounds like that's like a th- psychological it's, it's, thriller. Yeah, it's, it's something where like he has an accident on like a bridge, and I forget what happens, but he, he lives out his whole life, and it, it ends up, it comes back to this one moment with him having a car accident. I can't even remember the title of that movie, though. But I mean, there's there's a bunch. I just can't think of them off the top of my head now that you're putting me on the spot here. <laughs> That's what the whole point of this thing is. And it was, I mean, it was <laughs> when we rented it as a kid. It was in the horror section. <laughs> you know, I'm just like asking the question. Just no, it's a good to question. See, to see it, what you got. Totally because it, it is one that, unlike Jaws or like Alien, it's it's one that I'm kind of like. Eh, I can I see where you're coming from on this one a little bit. You know what I mean? Like Jaws, I'm like, no, fuck you. It's horror. Get out of my face. Um, I'll listen to your argument, but... The alien's sci-fi, though, so I'll go with you on that one. Or at least the second one is. Shopping the knives. <laughs> Get the pitchforks ready. <laughs> Villages, start your riot now! <laughs> well, he said the second one. I did say the second one. The first yeah, one's did. totally horror. The second one... Uh... You know, it's it's horror action, dude. It's a new genre. I know, I'm just saying. <laughs> I digress, I digress. No, it fits in. It's, it's uh, you know, it's a metaphor for Vietnam, bro. Just like... Uh, just like, here we go. See? Exactly. It's a full circle. Yes. Okay. Let's wrap it up. All right. <laughs> All right, guys. So you've been listening to the Movie Crew Podcast. If you guys want to get in contact with us, our email address is themoviecrew at gmail.com. That's themoviecrew, crew spelled C-R-E-W-E, at gmail.com. You guys can follow us on Facebook and um, uh, Twitter. Yeah. At Movie Crew Pod. Uh, and guys, please give us a rating on iTunes and Stitcher. It helps people find out about the show. We appreciate it. Five stars, please. Or one, you know, like, you know, we're, we're so look, desperate. Like, if you the, give the, us five stars, help. If you give us, <laughs> I, look, I'll go ahead and say this. If you give us five stars, we will, like, say your name on, on, on there. Let's yeah, do that. sure. Yeah, we'll, I'll, I'll throw you. A, I will totally throw you a shout out if you give us five stars. They send boxes of candy, <laughs> bro. Send boxes of candy, please. Benson, where can they follow you, sir? At J Edward J Edward Benson on Twitter. At Mister Callie, you can follow me on Instagram at Check the Gate or on Twitter at Jared B Callen. And guys, like always, we close out the show with a little bit from the soundtrack. Tonight's no exception. We're going to be playing track one titled Jacob's Ladder from the Jacob's Ladder soundtrack. This is from composer Maurice Jarre. Enjoy. Enjoy.